This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. An atypical child is one whose behavior falls outside of the expected range of development. These children also develop at a pace that is different from their peers. Dr. Natalie Solomon, the Director of Research and Development at Villavista Share and a clinical psychologist, joins me now to tell me more about how the school celebrates the atypical child. Dr. Solomon, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It was quite a broad um, definition of an atypical child and I just wonder if you can talk me through what an atypical child actually is. So an atypical child would be a child that um, expresses themselves with different patterns of growth than the typical trajectory. So their thinking, their perceiving, their feeling, their ways of behaving or interacting with others is not what we typically expect. It's... um, a different trajectory and different way of growth in the world. Um, And this might present itself in terms of differences in development, differences in learning, physical challenges, or sensory-based differences that would make um, them require certain kinds of interventions or it would require um, an understanding from those around them in terms of their particular challenges, as well as um, opportunity to play to their strength. Dr. Solomon, in, in terms of identifying an atypical child, to what extent, I mean, who makes that decision and, and what are the, 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 the lines between a typical child that has certain needs or an atypical child that just needs a bit more support? So I think that's an important question um, in that... Um, First of all, all children are children, and so even though they might have atypical characteristics, um, they are unique to themselves, and I think that's important to celebrate the child as a whole. But typically, um, the first person who typically um, picks up on issues will be the teacher, usually. Um, She'll notice that certain skill sets are developing at a different pace or certain expectations and behaviors are different to others, and she may notice distress within the child. And then I think what's best is to work within a team. Um, The diagnosis is typically made by a neurodevelopmental doctor, or it's made by a psychiatrist. But it's actually the full team that works with the child, so it would be um, a team approach to help that child manage um, their behavior or their challenges in the world. Dr. Simon, talking about accepting your child as being atypical, what is the process that a parent goes through and, and, and to what extent are you able to support them? Again, I think that there's no one way of responding, but I think that no parent um, may foresees or or once um, challenges for their child. And so that when one comes up against these challenges, it can feel very overwhelming and taxing. I think that there's also financial burden. I think there's emotional resources that are stretched. So typically a parent will respond with a sense of overwhelm. Um, There's a loss in terms of a loss of expectation. And there's kind of a a diversion. This is a new journey. This is a different way of doing things. So it will require kind of a different mindset. Um, there is a typical hardwired uh, process in terms of response. Um, again, there'll be variability within that. But um, typically, parents often respond with denial at first, and that's a defense mechanism to keep them safe. They move into autopilot. They want to disregard the information. It's not true. This isn't what uh, what we're facing. Um, and so 
that's a beginning phase. One would hope to move out of that phase because we do need to take action to best meet the child's needs. Then there can be anger. Um, the anger is an activator. It's a way of kind of protecting against pain. And um, unfortunately, it can be very isolating in terms of it isolates those people who can best support you. So, um, but it is a normal response. Um, one can be angry with others, one can be angry with oneself, and one can even be angry with one's child. And I think those, if one's angry with oneself and one's child, one really does need to intervene quite crucially in terms of um, mitigating the impact of that anger. And that, again, be, behind anger, there's a sadness often. Anger is never really a primary emotion. And then there's a move to more of a cognitive shift into trying to seek solutions, trying to seek control, um, and almost often it's trawling the internet for solutions, it's speaking to people for experts, it's getting multiple sources of advice, um, and it's gathering information. And this is a very important process, but it is one that one has to enter with a level of um, some being somewhat wary, not accepting every bit of information as the truth, um, but it, it can feel quite empowering as one tries to, to find information and make sense of things. And again, a team approach is really helpful um, in terms of gathering the correct kind of information. Um, another phase is often one of shame and isolation. Um, Parents might feel a sense of shame that perhaps they are the reason that the child is struggling with such difficulties. Uh, maybe it's their genetics. Maybe it's something they did while they were pregnant. Maybe it was um, something they did in the early years. And I think um, it can feel like a really difficult phase. And um, we need to attend to this phase with self-compassion and understanding and that um, it was never our intention for our child to have to face a challenge um, and that actually we can only move forward through connection and move out of isolation. And unfortunately, shame often lives um, in isolation. So it's kind of bringing it to the light, connecting with others and finding a way forward. And then hopefully one gets to that stage of acceptance and recognizing that acceptance isn't necessarily loving the situation, but it's coming to terms and making peace with things as they are, not as we wish them to be. And then um, also learning that there is hope and that there are things to be celebrated um, within the challenge, as hard as it may be. Um, but again, none of these phases are um, linear. One doesn't necessarily move from one to the next. Um, what the amount of time one spends in each phase will vary, and it's a revolving door that you might reach acceptance and then you're back at denial for a little while, um, and that's perfectly normal. Dr. Solomon, at Bella Vista, you treat each child, obviously, as an individual, and you have a support team of different experts to help that child grow. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that? We have, all our teachers are remedially trained, which means that they have a specific understanding of how to attend to certain challenges. Um, recognize that with certain difficulties, um, one does require specialized intervention. So good intervention in and of itself is not enough. It does require a specialized intervention because incidental learning doesn't always happen. It requires mediated experiences. Um, then we also have um, 
speech therapists, we have occupational therapists, we have social workers, we have drama therapists. So kind of really a wide range of different kinds of specialists who each offer a piece to the puzzle and recognize we can never see the whole from one perspective. We really need multiple um, perspectives and professional inputs to understand the child uh, fully and then hopefully meet their needs as best as we can. Ultimately, your hope with Bilibus is to ensure that the child grows and develops its full potential and at the end of the process is incorporated into society in a meaningful way. And there must be a lot of rewards that you and your colleagues go through in terms of seeing this development. I always say I find that it's a school of miracles. Um, if we often kind of look at where some of our children came from, often being very premature or tiny or these really heart-wrenching stories, and um, we track our children, and it's so amazing to see as they launch into adulthood how they find their spaces, how they um, – are appreciated in society and not to say that there aren't challenges, but it's how one manages those challenges with um, opportunity for growth. Solomon, do you think our society is becoming more sensitive to special needs, children and adults, or do you think it's still people are very still judgmental? I think there's still a way to go. I think there's still a journey towards um, full acceptance. But I do think we've made enormous progress and enormous movement. Um, I think, uh, you know, there are moments when one worries, when one looks at the Life is City Many incident, and one really worries around, you know, how our society is responding. But at the same time, I think that we have made great strides Um And if we look at inclusive policies, at policies um, that have been advocated for in the UN and incorporated, I I think there's hope. Do you think there's more recognition of a special needs child now than there was before and um, an acceptance of society's diversity? I think there's a recognition of potential in everybody. And I think that sometimes um, that wasn't always the case. And now we recognize that everybody has capacity to grow and to to learn and to teach. Um, And so it's recognizing possibility, potential, and opportunity in each individual. Dr. Solomon, if anybody would like to be in touch with you to learn more about um, Bella Vista or get any kind of emotional support what do you recommend um so i would suggest that they visit our website um and we have uh, various websites but the one to start would be www.bellavistashareonline.org.za and that would be an opportunity for us to engage dr solomon thank you so much for joining me it's absolutely fascinating and just keep up the incredible work that you and bellavista does that was a clinical psychologist dr natalie solomon who is also the director of research and development at bellavista she